0: This morning, like I said, we're going to talk specifically to our high schoolers, but not, not just to our graduating high schoolers, because there's so much um, in this message for all of us, because here's what I was thinking about, man. As I was thinking about this class that's graduating, I thought, I thought back um, to my own senior year, and when I graduated, I graduated high school in 1998, and all of you high schoolers are thinking, man, he's old, and some of you are thinking, he's so young, and I mean, you're both right, really, but I have four children, so I'm aging very quickly, um, but, um, but I graduated in 1998, and I was thinking about how much different high school is now than it was when I was in high school. Um, when I was in high school, man, we didn't have cell phones. Like, I didn't have a cell phone, not even a flip phone, right? Um, and now these kids, man, almost every high schooler I know has a, um, has a smartphone, right? And like, they have the internet all the time. Now we didn't have that. We had, like, in my, I think in my junior year, I finally got a pager, right you guys remember pagers like yeah some of you are looking at me like what what are you talking about right no it's this little box that you wore like on your belt or in your pocket right and it would beep or vibrate and there'd be like a phone number on it and you'd have to call them back right and that's how a pager worked but now these kids they have phones like like all the time and then they and not just cell phones not just flip phones but smartphones they can look up anything they want to all the time there's another weird thing I noticed, and it's, it's so weird to me. Um, a lot of the, the high schoolers now are waiting longer and longer and longer to get their driver's license. Like, we have so many seniors graduating this year who don't have their driver's license yet. And I was thinking, why is that? Why, like, I remember when I was 14, man, I went and got my permit, and I could drive to work and school. And sometimes I drove to work just so I could drive, right? And I mean, I couldn't wait to get behind the wheel and drive on my own. And I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, we drove to go see our friends. Like we, we left so we could go be with people. And these guys have the entire world of social media with them all the time. And so I think there's a diminished need. You know, they just don't feel the need to go out and be out um, with people sometimes because they have so much social media. Like They have access to all their friends all the time right here. And it's just, it's just so different even from just a few years ago when I was in high school. But there's one thing. At least one thing that I think hasn't changed. With all the things that have changed, I think there's at least one thing that hasn't changed. And it's interesting, it doesn't change really ever. And it's this feeling, it's the feeling of being lost. When I was in high school, I felt lost a lot of time. And I think, I think that's not new. I think that wasn't original with us. I don't think it's new for this generation. I think that that's something that we feel all the time in life, that we feel lost. There's all these moments that we feel lost. Now, have any of you ever been lost? Anybody ever been lost? Right? All the ladies are like, yes, he has. And all the guys are like, no. I intentionally drove around for an extra two hours. It was the scenic route, right? No, we don't get lost. But I remember this one time I got lost. And I was down in San Antonio, Texas. I had just graduated uh, from basic training. And we were going to go, as part of our celebration, we got to go off base. And we were going to go to the Alamo. And I had been there one other time, and so I thought... I knew how to get there. But here's, here's what I did know. I knew our destination. I knew that we were going for the Alamo. That's where we were trying to get. And I had a general idea of how to get there. I knew we'd get on the highway and we drive this way, right? It was north of where we were, I think. And so we drove and we got on the highway and we were going. And I thought, you know, there's signs, right? It's a major landmark. It's a historical place. Like We'll be able to find it. Surely we'll be able to find it. We'll be able to figure it out. And so we go and we drove around and around, and around. Y'all, we spent two hours looking for the Alamo. We never did find it. Man, and, and you know, like I was too proud. i just graduated, right? And I, I knew what I was doing. I was an adult now. And so I was smart, and I knew stuff. And so did we ask for directions? Of course not. Of course we didn't. So we spent, we wasted the entire afternoon driving around looking at this place. We never did find it. I ended up having to go to back to base and we never even got to experience it um, with my family because I was too proud to ask for directions and we were lost. We were completely lost. And I was thinking, man, I felt lost in high school a lot of times, right? Sometimes I knew where I was going or where I wanted to go. I knew, for example, I knew that I wanted a job that paid me enough to not live in my parents' house. But I had no idea what that job was. Like, I didn't even know if it existed, quite honestly. But I knew that that's what I wanted. And I knew that eventually I wanted to get married and maybe have kids. Like, when I was in high school, maybe I wanted kids, maybe not. I wasn't really sure. But I knew I wanted to get married. But I didn't have a girlfriend. (laughs) I know that's hard to believe. Hold on. I gotta recover from that. That was mean. (laughs) But I knew a couple of places I wanted to go, but I didn't really know how to get there. Like, I didn't know how to get from where I was to where I wanted to go, you know? And, and it was kind of like our San Antonio trip, man. Kind of like trying to find the Alamo. I knew where I wanted to go, but I didn't know how to get there. And we didn't have, we didn't have smartphones, right? I couldn't just be like, hey, Siri, I need directions, right? I mean, that's what I do now. Right? It's great. Hey Siri, i never get lost again. Right? But I didn't have that. And I didn't have that in high school. There's no magic Siri in high school that says, hey Siri, this is where I'm trying to get. I want to make this much money. I want to live in this kind of house. I want to do a job that I love. And I want to have this kind of family. Like You can't just ask Siri, how do I get there? Right? And so along the way, I felt lost. I had lost Moments, moments where I just had no idea what to do or where to turn. And this is kind of how I define a lost moment. It's either not knowing where you're going, right? You lost pretty quickly if you don't know where you're going. It's knowing where you're going but don't know how to get there. That's a lost moment. Or You know where you're going, and you're pretty sure you know how to get there, but then there's a detour, right? There's road construction. There's something that gets in the way. There's a catastrophe that causes you to veer off course. All of those are lost moments, and I think that our high schoolers feel those lost moments throughout high school, and especially in the transition from high school into adulthood. They can feel lost a lot of times, but here's the thing. It's not just in high school. And it's not just for kids, and it's not just for adults. Kids, how many of you kids that are in here are starting a new school in the fall, or going to a new school? Raise your hand if you're going to a new school. We got some guys going to a new school. Yeah, that's a lost moment, right? Because you don't know who your friends are going to be. You don't know if you're going to like the people that you're in class with. You don't know who your new teacher is. Man, that's a lost moment. How many of you adults have lost moments, right, with your finances? God, I, I don't know what to do about money in this situation or this thing happened. I don't know how we're going to afford it. Those are lost moments. We have lost moments in our career. God, I think this is the path I'm supposed to go on, but but I'm not really digging this job anymore. Like, I'm not really sure that I'm going to be happy staying here. And I don't know if I can afford to transition out of this job, man. Some of you are in the military, And I'll tell you, a big lost moment is when you make that decision to transition, whether it's retiring or or separating, that is a big lost moment because you have no idea what's coming next. You don't know what God has for you. You don't know if there's a job waiting for you. You don't know what your income's going to look like. You don't know how long you're going to have to wait on the government to get that retirement check, right? Those are lost moments. And we have these moments all throughout our life, through childhood, through our teenage years, and into adulthood. We have lost moments, right? Lost moments in our career, lost moments in our finances, lost moments in our relationships, right? I mean, some of you are dating somebody, and you think, oh, he's the one. We're going to get married, and we're going to be so happy. And then next week, something's going to happen, and you'll be like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can stay with this dude, right? That's how life works, man. Lost moments hit us all the time from every angle. We always have these moments throughout all of our life. And so here's what I want to say to you this morning. I bet... That somewhere in your life there's a lost moment today. I bet today you have a lost moment somewhere in your life, and maybe it's a job thing, maybe it's a relationship thing, right? Maybe maybe you got in an argument this morning on the way to church, man, and you're like, man, I don't even know if I want to go home with this person. Right? That's a lost moment, man. And so here's what I'm saying. You have lost moments. Whether you're um, a kid or whether you're in high school or whether you're a, a full grown adult, man, you have lost moments. So take a second right now because the biggest problem with being lost is not knowing that you're lost right? There's no way to get unlost if you don't know that you're lost. So here's the first thing I want to do this morning. On your bulletin, if you got one when you came in, or all of you teenagers, man, pull out your smartphone. I know you got a notes app. Come on. Or you could text it to yourself, whatever. But pull out something. Write this down. And where is an area where you feel lost? What? Where's the lost moment that you need clarity on today? What's the thing that you need God to show you the next step? What's? Where's that area for you? Just write it down. Just admit that you're lost a little bit in this place so that we can move forward, so we can get unlost, so we can figure it out, all right? Everybody got their lost moment? Kids, write it down, man. Orion, write it down, buddy. Where are you lost, man? You're going to a new school this year, right? Yeah, yeah, have your dad help you write it down. What's your lost moment? Sorry, Orion's like, I just love Orion. I gotta pick on him a little bit. Um, so, um, So what's your lost moment, right? What's your lost moment? Now, what if I told you There was something we could do in these lost moments to help us get unlost. What if I told you there was a Siri for the lost moments of our life, that there was a question we could ask, that there was a thing we could do, a button we could push, if you will, to help us get unlost? I mean, would you be interested in that? Yeah, yeah, of course we would. And so here's what I think. I think there's an answer for us in Scripture. I think that if we look to Scripture, we're going to find that there's some lost moments, man, because people have been getting lost since the beginning of time. And throughout history, God has written down some of the stories of these people who've gotten lost and how they've gotten unlost, how they've found their place in history, how they've found their place in his story, and how they've gotten unlost. And so we're going to look at one of those stories this morning. But before we do, I thought that it might be fun to play a little game. You guys want to play a game? Can we play a game in church? Can we play a game? All right, this game is super fun. It's called Disney Movie Mashup. Disney Movie Mashup. So here's what's going to happen, right? We've taken two Disney movies, and we've mashed them together. And there's a new plot line, a new story. And so I'm going to read, we'll put it up on the screen, I'm going to read the new plot line to you, and you guys have to figure out what the new title of that movie is. You guys want to play? Sound fun? Yeah. All right, let's, let's try the first one together. Let's try the first one together. What's the first one? Here it is. Pursued by a jealous queen, a young girl takes refuge amidst a group of automobiles in the little town of Radiator Springs. Right? Now, so, so what are the two stories? Like, here's how you would do this, right? What are the two stories, right? Pursued by a jealous queen, a young girl takes refuge. That sounds like Snow White, Right? And what's the second one? Radiator Springs, it's, it's cars. So what's the title? It's Snow White and the Seven Cars, right? Okay, so now you got it. Now you know how to play. All right, let's try it for real. Let's try it for real. Here we go. Number two, <clears throat> a man raised by gorillas must decide where he belongs after his sister turns the jungle into an ice palace. Now you guys know, right? You know the stories, right? You figured out what stories they are. So what's the new title? What's the new? Shout it out! Shout it! Just yell it out! What's yeah? Frozen in the jungle. So be, okay, you think you got it? Let's see what it is. Frozen. Frozen. That's the new title, right? That one looks kind of interesting, actually. All right, let's try another one. Let's try another one. A video game villain wants to be a hero and sets out to fulfill his dream. In the process, he gets lost in the ocean. And the real journey begins. What are the two movies? Think about the two movies, right? you got Wreck-It Ralph and you got Finding Nemo. So what do you think? Put them together. What's the new title? Shout it out. Shout it out if you think you know it. What do you think it is? Pixel? Pixel? Okay, let's see if you're right. It is Finding Ralph. We're finding Ralph this morning. All right. Let's try another one. Let's try another one. A forest animal is born with a rather large set of ears. Causing him to be ridiculed by the other animals in the forest. But he finds unlikely friendship in a skunk and a rabbit. Now, this is an older one, actually, a couple of older Disney movies. Can you guys figure it out? This is one of my favorite ones. Let's see what it is. It's Bambo. It's Bambo. It's Bambo. All right, let's go to the last one, the very last one. Here's our description. Um, tricked into trading his roar for a pair of legs a cub sets out on a journey to find true love by becoming part of her world now you've probably figured out the two stories lion king little mermaid but what's the title can you come up with it what's the title come on what do you think it is all right let's see it is the lion mermaid Try and get that image out of your head, I dare you. The lion mermaid, all right, all right, well that was fun. Well, like I said, like I said, we're going to look at some stories this morning that, um, you know, some of those were pretty cool, some of those were like disturbing a little bit. Um, that last one, man, um, but here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at a story where somebody got lost and found her way out of that lost place and we're going to try and see if we can't learn something from their story the story we're going to look at is the story of Esther how many of you are familiar with the story of Esther in the old testament there's a whole book called Esther kids you guys know the story of Esther probably the veggie tales version right you guys familiar with that Esther the queen the girl who became queen Well, we're going to look at that story this morning but before we jump right into the story, you got to know kind of the background. you got to know a little bit about what's happening here, about what's going on. So, so let me kind of fill it in for you. God had um, set apart some people, right? He had called Abraham, and he followed God, and this, um, his sons followed God, and or his son and, and his son's sons. And, and pretty soon, um, there's this people called the Israelites, right? And they're living in Egypt and um, the Pharaoh is not happy at how many of them there are, because this was over the course of several hundred years, right, that God took Abraham and made him into this entire people group, right? And they were called the Israelites. And so they're living in Egypt, and, and the Pharaoh is getting a little scared, because there's, there's thousands of them now. And he's afraid that they're going to take over. And so the Pharaoh puts them to work building cities and really makes them slaves. And what, what does God do? God sends Moses. You guys have heard of Moses. Some of you have heard of Moses. God sends Moses. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Pharaoh says no. They go back and forth for a while. And finally, Pharaoh says yes. God's people escape um, and into the desert. And then they go to the promised land, right? So finally, God's people, this is like the super short version. This is like two whole books of the Bible in like 30 seconds. Um <clears throat> So here's what happened. God's people, they end up in this place called the promised land. Finally, after hundreds of years after God promised it to Abraham, they finally end up in this place called the promised land. And they're super happy, right? They go in and they kick everybody else that's living there out, right? They win all these battles and they take over the land and they're super happy, right? And there's, there's kind of some peace there and they're, they're good to go, man. And, and so this is like the cycle that the Israelites go through is, is when they're in trouble, They rely on God, they call out to God, they say, God, help us, we're worshiping God, please, Lord, help us, where are you, God? And then God saves them, and they get kind of comfortable, and then they forget about God. And they start doing their own thing. So God says, hey, I need to remind you That you're my people. So he lets some other country come in and attack them and win a couple battles. And they go, Oh, oh, we forgot. We're God's people. God, come back and save us. And then God does. He comes back and saves them, and they get the land back. And this goes on and on and on and on for years and years and years and years. And finally, one of the people that came in, um, they were the Persians. And they came in and they defeated the Israelites because they weren't paying attention to God. They weren't following God. They had stepped away from that. And God allowed the Persians to come in and defeat them. But this time, The Persians took a bunch of Israelites with them back to Persia. And so now you've got all these Jews living in Persia and they're exiles. Like they're living there and and they don't really want to live there, but they're they're their own people group. They're like second-class citizens there. I mean, they're not slaves there like they were in Egypt, but they're also not regular citizens like everybody else right and so they're living in persia and that's where our story kind of takes place is with all of these jews god's people the jews are living in exile in the country of persia specifically this story takes place in the city of susa which is a city in that country now here's what happened in susa the king of persia lived his name was xerxes that's a fun name kids can you say that with me xerxes xerxes right that's a fun name it doesn't start with a z though it sounds like it but it starts with an x but it's xerxes and so he's the king now he's not a very good king because he doesn't take care of the jews who are living there very well but he also doesn't take care of anything like he's just kind of absent a lot of times and so xerxes is the king and he has this wife and he gets mad at his wife can anybody relate i'm just kidding i mean sort of Right? But so, if I have an argument with my wife, or if you have an argument with your wife, what do you do? Right? You sit down, and you talk about it, and you work through it, and you figure out what to do next. Well, King Xerxes gets mad at his wife, and instead of sitting down and talking about it, he makes a new law that says the next time the queen enters his presence, she's banished from the kingdom. So, that's a little overkill, I think. Right? But he does it, right? So, he makes this law. and So, the queen comes in, and she gets banished from the kingdom. Right? So, she's kicked out of the kingdom. And so, Xerxes now needs a new queen. And so he sends his servants out into all of Persia and says, go find all of the women who aren't married and bring them to the palace. All of the women who aren't married and bring them to the palace. Now, can you imagine? Like, all of these girls, man, they had to leave their homes. They had to leave their moms and dads. They had to walk away from their families. And and they didn't have a choice. They had to come live in a place that they'd never been to before with a king they never wanted to meet probably in the first place. And and all of their dreams of finding love or, or whatever they dreamt about back in the day, like all those dreams were gone now because they were now brought to the palace. And they had to live in the palace. So I'm sure that this was a lost moment for them. And one of those girls, her name was Esther. And I'm sure for Esther, it was a lost moment. that She didn't want to come live in the palace. In fact, I think she wanted nothing to do with the king or Persia or anything else. But Esther was brought to the palace and ended up being chosen by Xerxes to be the new queen. Now, that might sound like it would be amazing, right? Some of you are like, man, I'd love to be queen. But here's the thing. Remember what happened to the last queen? Like, Esther knew what happened. Like, she knew why she was there. She knew that the king was mad and, like, banished this woman. And so she's not real sure that she wants to be queen, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty sure she didn't think she wanted to be there. And so now she's even more lost because now she's been taken away from her family and she, she doesn't, um, she can't go live with them. She's lost all of her hopes and dreams that she had for her future and she's living in the palace, which I'm sure had some perks, but still she didn't want to be there and she certainly didn't want to be queen with this crazy guy as the king but here she is and she finds herself lost in this moment now there was a man in susa his name was mordecai can you say mordecai it's really fun to say mordecai mordecai it just kind of rolls off the tongue right it's a fun word and mordecai well mordecai had raised esther from the time she was born we don't know what happened to her parents. We don't know if they were left somewhere or um, if they were killed. We don't know what happened to her parents. But we know that Mordecai raised Esther. He was her cousin and he took over the job of raising her. And so Mordecai must have been devastated when Esther was taken. He was probably really, really sad for her because he had raised this girl and now she was being taken away from him. I mean, can you imagine how sad would you be if you were taken away from your family or if you had somebody in your family taken away from you? You'd probably be questioning, God, what are you doing? Again, it's that lost moment. God, what are you doing? What is happening to me? Why is this happening in my life? And so Esther and Mordecai feel lost, but it gets even worse. There's a guy by the name of Haman and Haman is a bad dude. All he cares about is himself. He doesn't care about anybody else, only himself. And Haman somehow became the right-hand man to the king. And so Haman has now got some power. And Haman decides that not only should the people of Persia bow down to the king, but they should bow down to Haman as well. And so Haman says, hey, you've got to bow down to me. Well, Mordecai says, I don't think so. Because Mordecai remembered that God had told his people that you only bow down to your God and to the king that God placed over you, not to other men. So Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman. Well, this made Haman furious. I mean, he was just as mad as he could be. Imagine the maddest you've ever been, and then imagine you were twice that mad. That's how mad Haman was. So Haman is super mad. But he decides that instead of just getting rid of Mordecai, he's going to get rid of all of the Jews. That's how much he hated Mordecai for refusing to bow down to him. He hated him so much that he decided he was going to get rid of all of Mordecai's people. His whole family, all of the Jews in all of Persia were going to be killed. And so Haman goes to the king and he says, hey king, I got this idea. And the king says, okay, what's your idea? And Mordecai says, what? or Haman says, well, you know, we've got these people living here and they do weird things. Like they have weird customs and they pray weird prayers. And I think that we would just be better off without them. And the king, who's kind of an idiot, says, sure, that sounds great. What are you doing, king? But the king gives him permission. And so all of a sudden, Haman now has permission that on this particular day to go through all of Persia and kill all of the Jews. It's terrifying. And Mordecai finds out about it. And he's weeping and he's mourning this decision and he's super sad about it. Well, Esther gets word that Mordecai is sad and says, Mordecai, why are you weeping? What is going on? And Mordecai sends a message back to Esther about the edict to kill all the Jews and says, Esther, Esther, you know the king. You have to do something. You have to step in. You have to go talk to the king. Well, Esther, like, she loved Mordecai and she was super terrified for Mordecai, I'm sure. But she didn't want to go to the king either because the king had this law. that if, like, So when you're in school, what do you have to do if you want to talk? You have to raise your hand, right? If you want to talk to the teacher, you have to raise your hand. Well, the king had a similar rule. If you wanted to come talk to the king, you had to wait until he summoned you. And if you didn't wait until he summoned you, he could have you killed. So Esther's going, I can't go talk to the king. He's going to kill me. Like, I can't even walk into the same room, or he could just have me killed right there on the, on the spot. So now Esther is super lost. She has no idea what to do. She has no idea what's going on, because she didn't want to be here in the first place. She doesn't want to be queen. She doesn't want Mordecai to be hurt, or the rest of the Jews, but she doesn't feel like she has any kind of choice. Like, she's super stuck and super lost. Anybody ever felt that way? Like, I have no idea what's going on, and I have no idea what to do. I'm sure that's how Esther felt. And here's what happens. Mordecai sends word back. And he tells her some things that I think are just brilliant. And he tells her some things that I think if we would hold on to them, they could help us in our lost moment. Because they helped Esther in her lost moment. And so here we're going to look at Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Go ahead and look that up. Chapter 4, verse 14. And here's what it says. This is Mordecai talking to Esther. He says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Now, it's real poetic, and it's easy to just kind of read over it as we're reading the story. But as I was digging into this and going, man, how do we navigate these lost moments? Here's what I, I found. Like I, I saw this thing in the text, and so I want to unpack it for you a little bit this morning. We would just want to take a, a deeper look at this. And so let's look at that first part. Again, <clears throat> here's what Mordecai says. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Morakai's awfully confident in this statement. He's pretty sure that something's going to happen. Now, how on earth could he be sure of that? How on earth, I mean, with everything that's going on, how could Mordecai have this confidence that God was gonna rise up? Well, I'll tell you how he had that. See, Mordecai was practicing the customs of the Jews, and Mordecai was praying to the God of the Jews, and Mordecai remembered that he was a Jew living in a foreign land, and Mordecai knew that he was part of a bigger story, a story that God had been telling for hundreds, for thousands of years, of years and Mordecai in this moment remembers hey this story it's not about me he remembered that hey this edict that Haman made it's actually not about me it's about God's story it's about what God's going to do in this and so Mordecai sends this word back to Esther and he says hey, hey, hey remember that you're a part of God's story Remember that this isn't about you, it's about God and what he's doing. Remember that you are a part of a bigger story. And see, I, I think sometimes I think Esther did what sometimes we do, and that is we said, we, we we focus on ourselves and we focus on our story and what's happening in our lives and we say, God, why aren't you helping me and God saying, because I have a different story that I'm trying to tell through you? And Mordecai in this moment reminds Esther of that fact that there's a bigger story happening that Esther is a part of. But he doesn't stop by reminding her of that. Here's the next thing he says. He says, and who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther, there's a bigger story. And how do you know That God hasn't ordained all of this so that you would be in this place at this time to do this exact thing. Esther, how do you know that God didn't have me raise you, me, Mordecai, raise you instead of your parents so that you would be in the right place at the right time to have this moment happen? Esther, how do you know what God is doing? How do you know that God is not calling you to do this thing? How do you know that God doesn't want you to stand up and save his people? How do you know that you are not the one that God has called to do this major thing? And Mordecai reminds her of this point in the story and Esther leans in. She steps back and goes, oh my gosh, you're right. It's not my story. And maybe, just maybe, God has put me here for a specific reason, for to do a specific thing as a part of his story, not as a part of my story, but a part of his story. And so here's Esther's response to Mordecai. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days Night or day. I and my tenants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. When Esther realized that it wasn't her story, that there was a bigger story, and that she might have a part to play in it, she said, yes. She said, yes, God, I will play that part. Even if it costs me my life, I'll play the part that you've called me to play, and I'll go. And here's how the story ends. The edict is overturned. The Jews are saved because Esther went to the king. The whole nation, the whole people of Israel, all of the Jews living there were saved. Their lives were saved because of this. And Haman ends up being killed on the stake that he set up for Mordecai. And God overturned the whole thing because Esther said yes to the story that God was calling her to. So here's what I think we can learn. I think there's two questions that we can take away from this. I think there's two things that we can learn. I think these are the two right questions. I think when we feel lost, instead of saying, hey Siri, I need directions, I think these are the things that we ask right here. God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? Not, 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 God, how does this fit into my life? God, this doesn't work with my plans. God, I need you to help me do this thing that I'm trying to do. God, what are you doing? And what's my part in it? These are the two questions that Mordecai gets Esther to consider, and when she does, and when she says yes, the fate of an entire nation was changed because she said yes to what are you doing and what's my part in it. I think if we would ask these questions, anytime we feel a lost moment, it doesn't matter how big the moment is. It doesn't matter how small the moment is. Kids, maybe you're thinking about the school that you're going to or the, or the kids that you're going to meet, the friends that you're going to have, and you're going, God, God, what do I do? Like, How am I going to make friends? Ask this question. God, what are you doing and what's my part in it? Maybe. Maybe God is saying, I want you to befriend this person. I want you to befriend this person because this person needs to know what you know. This person needs you as a friend. This person needs to have someone who loves them. You don't know what God is up to, but when you ask the question, you can step into his story. Maybe you don't know what college you're supposed to go to. Because you don't know what you want to do with your life. You don't know what the right thing to do is. Here's the thing. You will never know what the right thing to do with your life is. Because it's not about you and your story. It's about God's story. And the only way to step into his story is to say, what are you doing? And how can I, and what's my part in it? God, what are you doing? And what's my part in it? And I've seen this happen over and over and over again. And it's in scripture over and over and over again. God does not call super equipped, super faithful people. He calls broken people, humble people who are willing to say, God, what are you doing and what is my part in it? And then he equips them like he did Esther to do amazing things for his kingdom. So ask the question in your lost moments. Ask the question, God, what are you doing and what's my part in it? What are you doing and what's my part in it? And here's what can happen. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe if we ask the question, God, what are you doing with my finances and what's my part in it? God just might say, I'm preparing you for a new season. So the answer might be, I want, you to, I want you to fast and pray like Mordecai and the Jews did. I want you to wait on me. I want you to be ready for what I'm gonna do. That might be the answer. Right? Maybe you're saying, God, I don't understand what's happening with my spouse, I don't understand why we can't get on the same page. I don't know what's happening in my relationship. I don't know what's going on in our marriage. God, what are you doing? And what's my part in it? Because maybe your part is to stay faithful. Maybe your part is to pray for them. Kids, man, your parents go through some rough stuff. I know they do. God, what are you doing? And what's my part in it as a kid? Did you guys know, hey kids, did you know that one of the greatest stories in the Bible is David and Goliath? Goliath. David killed the giant and saved the Israelites and you know what David was a little boy You can ask this question. It doesn't matter how old you are. God, what are you doing and what's my part in it? Maybe God is saying, hey, pray for your parents. Maybe God is saying, be faithful in your school. Maybe God is saying, talk about me. Talk about Jesus. Talk about your relationship with me. I don't know exactly what he's calling you to do. But here's what I know, that you will never know the greatness of the story he's called you to if you're not willing to ask the question, God, what are you doing and what's my part in it? our lives end up looking like the lion mermaid. Because what we do is we try and take our story and mash God's story on top of it. But here's what God is calling us to do. To step out of our story and to step into his And it doesn't matter where you are today. It doesn't matter how lost you are. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. It doesn't matter how far away from God you've gotten. It doesn't matter how long it's been since you prayed. None of those things matter. Here's what matters today. Right now, this moment, God, what are you doing? And what's my part in it today? How can I say yes to you right now today? So here's what I want you to do. On your bulletin, there's a place for you to imagine what could happen. What might happen if you said yes to whatever God calls you to when you ask this question? What might happen? You don't know because maybe God is calling you to a mission field. And maybe you're going to be the missionary who brings the word of God to a new people and saves a tribe, saves an entire village from the, the destruction that's coming because you were willing to say yes to God. Maybe your campus is going to be saved because you were willing to go to college and be a witness on that campus. Maybe someone who is no friends is going to have friends this year because God put you in that school. Maybe something in your business is going to change because God's telling you to do it a different way or to have a different partner. Maybe something's going to happen in your relationship because you're willing to say, God, what are you? you doing okay i will pray faithfully for my spouse i'm it's hard god i don't know what to do but i'm gonna do what you're asking me to do so take a minute and imagine what might happen god took esther who said yes to his story and he saved an entire nation what might happen if you said yes to what god is calling you to this morning